2: Welcome to the Habitat
1: Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host,
3: Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese, and we're here to become better habitat managers. Guys, thanks for coming back. Great episode for you here today with a very special guest the one and only mr roger raglan guys if you have heard of roger raglan it's probably because you've been paying attention to you know hunting shows and hunting videos for the last 35 40 years i know he's been doing this for 33 plus years ish and um we were lucky enough to get roger on the show met him a couple times at a couple different trade shows tracked him down Got him on the show. And what a great, fun, very fun episode we have for you today. This is our brand new series we're kicking off called Crazy Hunting Stories. So we need you guys as well to chime in about your crazy hunting stories. We're going to interview people with the craziest hunting stories um, that are true. They can't be fake along the way. So Roger was a great you know, guests, just what a nice guy to come on the Habitat podcast and talk about, I think we covered two crazy hunting stories in this, in this podcast here. Um, Brian's already got one on the YouTube channel from Joe Miles. So check that out. That's another crazy hunting story. This is entertaining stuff. This is stuff that does not happen to everyone. Um, My friend, Mike, land plan client, Mike in Ohio. I want to hear your story. You're coming on. I've heard it before. I got to get you on here. We're gonna do this series called Crazy Hunting Stories, and we want you guys to be a part of it. You know, we're we're, we're building a, a community here at Habitat Podcast. The listenership, the partners, us—we're all part of a community to become better habitat managers. And this is a great, entertaining way to uh, kind of kick off the spring here and um just listen to some great deer hunting stories. I don't know about you guys, but. Deer camp is my favorite time and favorite place in the world. And guess what? A lot of stories get told. Why not the crazy ones? Why not the crazy hunting stories? We're covering it here at the Habitat Podcast. So, Mr. Roger Raglan coming in for the crazy hunting stories. Now, before we get too far into the details here, if you haven't signed up for the Packer Max giveaway, we're giving away a $900 unit, the Packer Max HD unit. That's a heavy duty, Packer Max, cult packer for your food plots. We're shipping one out in the next couple of weeks to one lucky listener. Guys, go to habitatpodcast.com or scroll down in the show notes and look for the giveaway. It's it's right in front of your face. It takes, I bet it doesn't take 10 seconds to enter, and you're in. We are gonna give a 900 dollars Packer Max unit away, shipped to your door from Habitat Podcast and Packer Max. So if you haven't signed up, please sign up now. Guys who have signed up, thank you very much. We're going to give this away soon so you can use it for spring food plot season. But we want to make sure that we get everybody included because with all the episodes that come out these days, you know, once a week now, um, people aren't all caught up as, as you know, as it used to be. There's a lot of content out there these days and we're trying to stay in the game. So if you can, go to HabitatPodcast.com. There's a green button on top. Giveaway. And that'll be ready for you for that Packer Max $900 HD call to Packer unit. Guys, if you can, you know, Roger Raglin has really just held his own in this industry. Our boys at Exodus put up a video of his um, white tail cribs video of his trophy room. It is the probably the best trophy room video I've ever seen in my life. Um, on youtube check that out roger is just an innovator a smart guy is here in the podcast he found a way to stay relevant in this industry over how many years he's killed a ton of really big deer and really just doing a great job as you know a long time veteran in the industry so we we're, we're thankful brian and i met him at the ATA show originally we sat there and up with him and um alex um and they were just telling stories from 20 30 years ago and we get to be a part of that conversation it was just uh it's cool it's very cool we're blessed we are very blessed brian and i know that and um we want to share this with you with the listenership here at habitat podcasts i also want to thank everybody who's ordered from habitat podcast or from morse nursery to get your morse trees in i'm actually formulating um a couple of custom plans for a couple of clients here in the midwest where we're going to plant morse trees um specific way part of a land plan and um really implement that process but frank will be on from morse nursery another podcast here asap we're just trying to get our schedules together to uh connect and we're going to cover, you know, the genetics behind Morse, why the parent trees matter versus the Home Depots, uh, the the rural kings, wherever you're getting your trees at for maybe a cheap price. Um, commercial chest, commercial chestnut production uh, as an income source. We're talking about that. Uh, I've heard some people, including, you know, a couple of friends of mine want to plant chestnuts for more than just deer bedding screening transitions, uh, i.e. shrubs, how that works, um, how shrubs can also be browsed. We we talk about trees all the time, but um, we should also cover shrubs, and we're going to talk about that as well with Frank. And then, you know, different sort of new products over at Morris Nursery that are available for the listeners. So we do have a code at Morris Nursery if you want to order on your own and take care of that. Um, that code is, is habitat 10 habitat one, zero, and that'll get you 10% off anything at habitat podcast. If you have a larger order where it requires more of a bulk price, hit us up info at habitat We'll take care of you as a dealer as well. Now I'm going to be on a land plan tomorrow. So I want to thank all the land plan clients. Once again, we are busting these out. Um, just got done hanging up with, with Phil Holcomb and, uh, our client, David Hoy up in Pennsylvania and New York. We're going to talk about, um, last, last week, Brian, and I wrapped up three other plans. We got three more we're kicking out this week. And then I'm going on two more here in Michigan, the next couple of weekends here, we're covering these guys. So if you're interested reach out, we're about full for this year. We may add a couple more depending on where you're at. Um, you know, Phil Lincoln in Indiana we're wrapping up one on his. Uh Jesse Knox in Iowa finishing up one for him. We're we're all over the board with this thing helping landowners with their property. So if you're interested, let us know. Appreciate the folks that have reached out. Um, Josh, I'll see you tomorrow, my man. And then um, you know, we we'll, we're just gonna keep hammering these out, but we want to make sure we're doing it for the right fit, the right clients, the right properties, the right goals. We're not just taking on anybody and everybody, but we are here to help. So if you are if you need help with your place, let us know, habitatpodcast.com slash land plans. The notes show the link to the website below. Just submit your information and we'll give you a call and uh, set this up and at least, you know, help you through some questions. You know, a lot of folks who get the land plans have a bunch of great ideas in their head and just want some validation that they know what they're doing. They're making the correct steps before moving forward, um, you know, and changing their whole landscape on their property. You can reverse most mistakes, but it takes time. And what we do is we fast track you to our level on your property. So maybe you have your own plan in mind. Maybe you don't think you need a land plan. Well, it's always good to verify and have a second opinion from, couple guys who've been doing this for a while and seen a lot of properties it does not hurt uh also some folks just don't know where to start and sometimes knowing where to start taking the first step having a list of priorities things to do will help you in the long run brian was just in virginia last week um guys we're we're getting around we're helping habitat podcast listeners all over let us know if you need help. We're happy to help. If we can't fit you in this year, we'll get you first thing next year. You'll already be on the list. You'll be ahead of everybody else for 2023-2024. All right. Well, that's about it for me, everyone. I just want to thank everybody. You know, get yourself in the Packer Max giveaway. And let's get into some great, great stories with Roger Raglan I want to thank the rest of our partners here at Habitat Podcast because they really make the world go round for us as well as you the listener i want to thank exodus outdoor gear packer max cultipackers morris nursery acres.co legendary forest products endless horizons archery first light united country midwest lifestyle properties and vitalize seed company guys food plots on the corner and we are here now with mr roger raglan at Roger Raglan Outdoors, starting our brand new series called Crazy Hunting Stories. Enjoy and thanks for listening to the Habitat Podcast. All right, guys, we are back. Another episode of the Habitat Podcast. A very special guest today, Mr. Roger Raglan. How are you doing today, Roger? I'm doing good. Hey, thanks for hopping on.
4: Kind of nip, kind of nip. Been warm, but it's kind of nippy in Oklahoma today.
3: <laughs> How cold is it down there right now?
4: Oh, 40, probably.
3: How about you, Brian? How cold is it by you? I got 30
0: here. Yeah, it's in the 30s today in western Pennsylvania.
3: Yeah. So, 40 doesn't sound too warm at all. What else are you up to these days? We, we've we been seeing you at the trade shows. I saw you in Iowa. Brian and I met you at the ATA trade show, so that was always good to catch up with you.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that time of year. And- And it's always, you know, good to go out and, uh, meet, meet people and, and, uh, let them know you're still, still above ground, you know? (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah.
3: I'm, I, um, I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for such a long time. It's, it's cool to see you still at the trade shows and, and still out there, you know, mucking it up with the rest of us. Um, if if you don't mind, tell those who may not know who you are. Maybe a little bit about yourself and and where you're from and all that good stuff.
4: Well, I'm in. Uh, I live just outside of Tulsa, so I'm an I'm an I'm an Okie. I grew up 14 miles north of, of Muskogee, Oklahoma, so I'm almost an Okie from
2: Muskogee.
4: <laughs> and grew up hunting, and fishing all my life. I was lucky. My dad. Uh, both sides of the family were hunter, hunters and fishermen, so I was just around it. Uh, grew up in a small town of Wagner, Oklahoma, and uh, just went to college forever. Went to college for nine years and got four college degrees, got two master's I got a master's degree from uh, Duke University and come back to Tulsa and start painting apartments. They called me the smartest painter in Tulsa. And, uh <laughs> didn't really know what i wanted to do and and i just kind of uh, one day woke up and just thought I wonder, i'm gonna try to make a hunting video so i made a hunting video back in the late 1980s and ran and slam a deer and had no idea what it was gonna end up doing to me or for me and it and uh made another one and then next thing i know and uh Made tape, uh, 1989 called, uh, white tails east of the Mississippi, plenty of big bucks to spare. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was all right. It, it was, it became the number one selling hunting video in the nation that year, so it kind of put me on a map. And, and I've been, uh, I've been doing it full time ever since this, this will be my 36th year in the business. Wow. Wow. Oh,
3: Yeah. Good good for you. I've been around
4: around and, and, uh, last summer we had my 50th class reunion. Don't tell anybody I I admitted to that, but yeah, my 50th (laughs) class, we had it out here at my place, you know? And, uh, so, uh, one of my buddies from, from high school, he just, he said, I, he goes, I just still can't believe that, uh, you've done what you've done and, and, you know, and, and for so long and did so well. And I just, I told him, I said, I just, I can't believe it either, you know? So I've been pretty, pretty fortunate for the majority of my adult life. I've, uh, made a pretty good living, uh, doing what I would do for free, you know? And, uh, I've always had an enchantment with hunting for, with white tailed deer. And so I've stayed focused on that. Mm-hmm. And have done that uh, pretty hard. And you have this, I've hunted, let's see, whitetails in 33 different U.S. states, four Canadian provinces, and five Mexican states. So I've uh, five time zones. Uh, you, you, Figuring finger your fingers how I did that, and I'll, maybe I'll tell you at the end of the show. But, <laughs> but uh, driven over a, mi- over a million miles hunting whitetail deer the last 40 years of my life and been, been, been pretty successful, but been very, very fortunate to get to do this as long as I have and, and still keep doing it. I really I still enjoy, it. what am I going to do? Retire so I can hunt more. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I keep doing it and I'm going to, and I'm in very good health. And so, uh, I knock on wood while I say that, but, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm just having a, having a great, great time and, and plan on continuing to do this until it takes six of them to haul me out. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) God bless you. Yeah. Jared and I were talking before we started recording and I was trying to remember the first time that I saw one of your videos, I'm 48 years old. So I know it was sometime in my mid teens. I think I was probably 15. My uncle had a little hunting and fishing store, sold some guns and, some fishing tackle and he had a rack over there on the wall with some VHS tapes that he'd let people rent out and I remember getting a couple of your videos off of that rack and followed you along through the videos and then when you started on television started following you there so it's, it's been it's been a fun ride to watch you through the years and you always made hunting fun and and when we saw you at the trade shows all these years later you still got that that uh beaming smile and and always make time for everybody. So I've always appreciated all that stuff about you, Roger.
4: Well, good deal. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that they're, and they're uh, not stayed in touch with, uh, close touch with Tom, Tom Miranda. Tom's a dear friend of mine and Tom's one of the, you know, the old pioneers from back in the video days, but, but back in the 1980s, uh, when Ronald Reagan was still president, uh that was the outdoor entertainment for so there were, you had outdoor riders and then you had hunting videos and people would rent the videos. Uh, there were twelve, fourteen thousand 14,000 outlets around in all 50 States and in Canada. And this every, every little, like you said, every little Ma and Paul kettle store, uh, had had hunting videos. Guys would go in for a couple of bucks, get to rent it for two or three days. And, and that was outdoor entertainment back. And that was, and we didn't even realize the impact that that just really a handful of us uh, had back in those days. The outreach and and the the influence that we had. Uh, of course, now you know it's it's a it's light years leap. Go ahead, you know, three decades, and now it's you know, oh my goodness, that you know the social media and this <laughs> and that. Yeah, yeah. YouTube channels and uh, there's, there's thousands and thousands of guys running around out there. And, and I'm the more, the merrier I'm, I'm happy. And, um, um, and for all of them, you know, but, uh, uh, but to weather the storm, it's funny. I was with Tom just a couple of weeks ago at the Safari club show in Nashville. And, and, and I just said, Tom, can you believe that we, uh, that we've been o- over 3 decades he said well he goes look at it this way he said there's not very many of them left he goes we have survived in this industry for over 3 decades and we're still kicking hmm. so uh so I'm really proud I'm proud of the fact that I have kind of weathered weathered the storm that many years and and uh, and have got to keep doing this for as long as I have and you know I'm I'm 68 years old now and uh I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not done yet, so I got a I got a few more years. There's not many professions that you can get in and and do it for you know 40 years plus and uh, and enjoy yourself and keep doing it. So so I'm I'm in a it's been a it's been a really great it's been a great ride for me and I've I've met a lot of great young people. Uh, you know and and now you guys are coming on with the the popularity of. Of podcast and and uh, and and don't don't, don't sweat it. I'm I have no intentions of of doing podcast myself personally. So <laughs> yeah, have at it.
0: We're safe.
3: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank but, you for leaving that market alone. <laughs> no, Roger. Yeah.
4: No, I'm I'm not I'm not interested. I've got enough on my plate. But I uh, but I am. I've had a great time, and I really and I do I enjoy it. I I like you know I'm a hunter. That's that's who I am. I grew up with it i I enjoy it and uh and and you know the hunters are the greatest conservationists on the face of the earth, and so it's it's not like uh, we aren't doing something good for the planet, so to speak, you know, and as far as whitetail hunting goes, it's never been better it's never and I grew up in Oklahoma, and I graduated in nineteen seventy two in my senior year in high school, the success rates. Were 10%. So 10% of the public were successful and buck only. You got, you were allowed one buck. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Got. Okay. My phone was doing funny things. <laughs> but now, oh, good grief. Look, look, look how the whitetail has, how well it's done, exploded and all across the country. Whitetail populations are, you know, I guess at an all time high and, there's no no better if you like the whitetail hunt there's no better time than to be a whitetail deer hunter than right now
3: yeah you're you're not kidding and it truly is amazing how many people you you've inspired you know over the years i remember watching these vhs tapes when i was a kid um and i guess i've always wanted to do something like this considering what we're doing here today but like like my, my buddy adam Cameron, he brought two videos to the iowa deer classic that were 30 years old the uh, ambush video in the bow hunting nightclub zones he brought oh my those in- yeah. those are yeah old videos that he uh, you know he was inspired watched and kept his whole life too so it's really cool what you've done i mean you've gone from the vhs and now you even have like subscription plans digitally to still watch all your stuff all your stuff so you've you've literally adapted innovated and continued to survive if you will uh it's very impressive you must be a pretty smart guy
4: Oh, well, I don't know about that. You know, I, uh, uh, when I, what people ask me, well, what, what did you, you have a master's degree from Duke, you know, and that of course that's an elitist school, you know, and I, they, what did you study? I said, well, I studied deer hunting. So, uh, you know, I went to Duke to learn how to be a deer hunter. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how smart I am, but I just think, you know, I've been, I've been pretty lucky I've been and, and no man is an Island. I've had a lot of, sure. a lot people have helped me, uh, over the years. And, and, uh, I had a, you know, I married, uh, I married, a, I married, I think the right gal, I, I have the same wife for oh, 40 years now. And, and, uh, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing that she did, she, I married a lady that just, you know, I didn't have to, have, I didn't have to baby her. She, I say living, darling, uh, that my wife uh, living with me is, is about as close to living by yourself as, as is heavenly possible, you know, <laughs> let me go and do my own thing, you know? And, and about half the time in the fall, about half the time, you know, she'll know where are you going next week? And you, how long are you going to be gone? I said, well, I'm going so and so and so and she, she forgets, she knows I'm gone and she knows I'm deer hunting. So. Mm-hmm been that away for four decades and so that's that's been a that's been a real bonus to not have a, a nagging wife uh, that was you know that had to be entertained all the time sure sure of course when yeah. i'm gone she has a credit card so i come home to credit cards you know have to pay off so I to every once in a while yeah there's a trade-off
3: <laughs> well
2: roger I was, I, I, oh go ahead i was
4: home at We had five kids now we have 16
3: grandkids so you know that's awesome i know i know that you know i think i met. i think i met your son at the ata show one of your sons was there um and that was that was nice to see you bringing him along and and it looks like you know we we saw you we wanted to talk some habitat with you and we thought you know what we're gonna kick off this this crazy deer stories Podcast uh series here, brand new. We thought you know what would be pre- pre- pretty entertaining, and what we talk to folks about on the normal, anyways, is a crazy deer story that they've had. And I've already heard some crazy ones before we hit the record button. But with you, I asked you earlier, and you said, "Yeah, I got a couple of them."
4: Oh yeah, yeah. I've got some deer stories for sure. We we could be on the phone now until about this time next week, and I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't run. <laughs>
3: Well, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's have you, um, I I know I saw your trophy room video that our friends at Exodus did with you, the whitetail cribs and man, you, you have harvested some amazing whitetail and a lot of them. Um, it's extremely impressive. So how about, how about this? Let's hear one of your craziest deer stories, one or two of them, if you got them and, uh, we'll sit back and listen.
4: All right. Well, I, I was thinking about that and, and I, uh, i'll tell you i'll tell you one of my favorite stories i i don't know it, 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 close to i'd been in the business probably close to twenty years and uh you know it it had been twenty years since i had been hunting without a camera you know i mean you if you're in the business of, of you know making hunting videos or whatever or or a television show whatever it would be. You know you schedule hunts well you you know you wanted to you have a cameraman with you and 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 it's a different it's a different deal obviously it's different when you have someone tagging along with you recording everything and i told my wife i said i'm gonna go hunting this fall somewhere and i'm uh i'm not gonna film it i'm gonna go hunt like i used to and not have the the wearisome of having to have a camera in that, you know, and so on. She goes, well, okay, you know, that's fine with me. And and I thought, I'm going to go to Kansas. And I had, to, what I used to do years ago, at least once a year, I would go hunt with a fan. Just just somebody that was a fan would invite, and I get, and I appreciate it. And I get invites all the time from people, you know, well, oh, come up here to whatever, Michigan or PA, everywhere all over the country to hunt with me, and I had a guy from Kansas. And he was from Payola, Kansas. I come up, hunt my farm, and, and I, I, I called him, and I said, "I'm coming." I said, I, if, I said "If I draw a tag, <laughs> I'm going to go for Didn't know him from Adam, and so I, did, I put in for Unit 11, which that's the closest unit to Tulsa. It's just just across the border, and uh, and it's a it's and and it's it's a not a wide unit, probably. 80 miles but it's a long unit. It runs almost up to Kansas City, and he was near Kansas City. I put in a drew, so I, you know, I, I got to go. He had a three, I think it's 350 acres, something like that, a farm. It was a family farm, and and just a few days before I'm going to go on the hunt, my phone rang, and it was Steve Jones. I actually texted Steve Jones this morning, you know, an outfitter friend of mine from New Mexico. I've known Steve for over 30 years. And Steve said, uh, you going to hunt Kansas this year. And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, so am I. I go, Oh, you are. I said, uh, what unit are you hunting? Uh, you him I said, well, so am I. I said, well, said, where are you hunting? I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to go up and hunt with a fan and, uh, never been there. Don't know him, but it's going to go up there and spend a few days. I said, where are you hunting? He goes, my dad owns 80 acres just outside of Chanute, Kansas just across the Oklahoma border about 35, 40 miles because hmm. we're going to go up there. And I said, well, come by and spend the night with me. And, uh, and we'll make a plan. So he did, he had a buddy with him from Car- they're from Carlsbad, New Mexico, spent the night. And I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I don't, ha- I don't know this guy who I'm going to hunt with. I said, let me go up there and hunt a day, day or two. I, I said, I said, I'll call you. And th- this was, I don't I'm not even sure that we had cell phones back then. So it might have been before. Believe it or not, people did not everybody had a cell phone in the beginning. You know, I think <laughs> I had one in the truck. You know, down middle and you could phone off of it, you know. And, and so anyway I go up, meet the guy and and Kansas always opens a Wednesday after Thanksgiving in the middle of the week. They still do. And uh he had three hundred and some acres and I looked it all over and asked, you know, all the questions of this and that and I, and uh so I, you know, I, it looked pretty, it looked okay. It looked pretty good. And, uh, I was, I didn't see any, you know, bunch of deer, but it, it looked good. It looked good. So I hunted opening day, hunted that day. And that night I called Steve and I, I, I'm pretty sure I called him at his dad's house and, and, uh, he said, how'd it go? I said, well, I didn't, I didn't see anything. I saw a few deer. I saw nothing to shoot. And. And this is all that he said. He said, I found something pretty interesting. I think maybe you ought to come down here and look this over with here in Chanute. So I tell you what, I said, let me me hunt in the morning with this fella. I said, I think in four or five days I could probably shoot something. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd find something to shoot up here. I said, but let me hunt in the morning and I'll meet you tomorrow at noon at the Jack in the Box. There in Chinook, Kansas. So I did. I hunted that morning and drove down. And I still remember pulling up the jack in the box there. Chinook's got I don't know twelve fifteen thousand people. It's a nice sized little country town. And uh, and that hey, we grab something to eat. And Steve said, "Follow me." And I didn't ask any questions. I just <laughs> followed Steve. And we went about seven eight miles straight north of Chinook and then to the east just a little way, just out out in the country and we pulled up you know it's big open country down there southeast kansas and uh, pulled up in this guy's yard walked up knocked on the door and a little bitty short guy come to the door and his name was Sam and he goes hey oh hey steve he goes hey he goes uh this is Roger Ragland a buddy of mine he goes hey he, he said did y'all come to see my deer of course you know steve had had seen the deer and, uh, and they were relatives somehow, distant relatives. I said, yeah, I guess. He said, come on in the house. And we walked in. Take your shoes. I mean, we had goes, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Walked in the house. And the guy, he, he was, I mean, he was a little bit short, bald headed. Uh, uh, he was, uh, an ex rocket scientist from Houston, Te- worked for NASA in Houston, Texas hmm. had retired and, and moved back to there to, to first retirement. He walked out carrying a rack and I don't know. I don't know what, you know, we didn't put a tape on it, but the book was a clean five by five somewhere in the mid one eighties, a a toad, let me tell you, he walked out with the rack and I grabbed it and I went, Oh my gosh, did you kill this? He goes, yep. I killed that book. I said, Oh, I said, do you know what this is? He said, well. People tell me that it's a pretty good. I said, listen, I said, this may not mean anything to you, but this is a Boone and Crockett whitetail. That means it's good. He said, oh, okay, good. I said, <laughs> uh, and like you could tell, you know, that it, it, that there was still some meat. I said, where'd you kill this? He said, two weeks ago during bow season. Yeah. I said, where'd you kill it at? And standing there in the living room, he pointed through the kitchen he goes, look through the that wind. He goes, see that tree out there by the pond? And I'm looking. I could see the the bank, the pond bank, but I didn't see any trees. And I kept looking. He goes, no, that, that, but there was one, but I said that bush. Yeah. He, I was sitting on the ground underneath that bush. <laughs> you were sitting underneath the ground underneath, underneath that bush. Yeah. He said, and you kill this buck with your bow. Yeah. I said, how close was he to you? He's said, old. Oh, 10, 12 feet. Jeez. <laughs> I said, oh what?" He said, You wanna see my bow? I said, Yeah. He ran in the back room and brought out his bow. I never heard of this bow. You could hold it sideways and pull it. He goes, It's only strung at thirty-eight pounds. I got a bad shoulder. It's below the state minimum. You aren't gonna tell me tell on me, are you? Yeah, I said, no, I'm not gonna tell on you. <laughs> I said, you killed this buck with this bow sitting on the ground underneath that bush at 10 feet. Yeah. I said, look, I said, do you think that there's anybody in this area, in this neighborhood, in, in this that might give us permission to hunt their ground? He goes, yeah. He goes, give me just a minute. So we went in the back room. Yeah. And, and I've told this story before and so me, now, why would I be interested in hunting? anywhere around there well you know there's one thing that's undeniable when you've got great genetics in an area you know that's one of the things that i look for when i'm trying to when i'm seriously trying to hunt a big buck is in in a certain area if there's extremely great genetic deer makes sense that's where you want to be around sure it's a five, it's a five by 585 inch buck is what this is
2: yeah
4: he's gone for a while finally i thought he forgot about it He come out and he goes i got a place <laughs> just right up the road let's go we jumped in the truck behind him falling we didn't go a quarter of a mile just pulled off into this little old field and i can tell you that if at 80 acres he, he goes and he goes this is the only prop only only property i can find around here it's buddy of mine it's 80 acres i can tell you by standing and looking at this 80 acres, that there was not a single mature white-tailed buck on it. <laughs> now, how would I know by standing and looking at 80 acres that there's no mature white-tailed deer on it? No cover. Because you could you could see from one end to the other. There was nothing on this <laughs> 80 acres. It was just a plowed field. It had one pond way in the back. And I'm looking at it, and I went, well... And 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 I, and I I tell always tell this story to make a point is is you know I've seen it with my eyes I've I've hunted up on the prairies of northern Oklahoma I have watched whitetails glassed blast and seen I've seen it looks like dogs running coyotes dog bird, uh, bird dog and a doe I, I mean, a mile I've watched them a mile away turn and run right to me across an open field and run right by me and run a mile out of sight i've seen them run two miles Hmm. i said sam i go what about over here to the north it's this big open country too and he goes well there's there's a whole section right there he said and uh i know for a fact that they don't allow no hunting and and, uh, never have hadn't been hunted in years i said what about here to the west of us he goes well there's over a thousand acres there he goes and all he said is those people for up north somewhere he goes i know they prosecute anybody that sets foot on their property i said oh what what about over here to the south he goes they're best friends with the people that own the land of the west there's like eight or nine hundred acres there. i said what about over here to the to the east now that's where there was timber there was timber to the east he said, Well, that's there's uh about eight hundred acres over there. He goes, and they farmed the back side of it. He goes, That guy won't allow anybody to hunt on his property, and he hadn't since he started having kids. I said, Well, how many kids does he have? He said, Well, he's got four of them. Got four kids, and they're they're from one to about eight years old. I said, I tell you what, we're gonna take this. Go tell your buddy that thank you, we're gonna we're gonna take this 80 acres. And I'll never forget Steve Jones leaned over to me and he said, are you sure? He's an outfitter. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah. Just tell him yes. Now, why would I be interested in hunting 80 acres where there's not a deer on it? You can look <laughs> and see, not any deer on it. But I'm standing right in the middle of over 2000 acres, where in the last eight years, there's been one buck killed, by a sixty-five-year-old bald-headed ex-rocket scientist <laughs> from from Houston, <laughs> Texas, pulled a thirty-eight-pound boat. You know, we'll take it. So that's what we did. That's what we did. And I told Steve, I said, "Let me go into town, and get me a motel room." We drove into Chanute, got me a motel room, took a little nap. Drove. Uh, I was. I still. I had big red. So it's been under twenty years. My, uh, my, my excursion. So we drove. Uh, drove out there. I just pulled up next to the road out in the field and just parked it there. There was, there was just no place to park. I just pulled a truck up there and parked about four o'clock. And I told Steve, I said, go back there to the pond, way back there in that corner, go back and just get up there in that tall grass and hunker down and just sit there by that pond. I said, and I'm, and there was one row, it wasn't really a row of trees, but it was row of shrub. that just, they were just big enough to where, you, you could lean up against it, you know, not a little overhead hide. And they, they pl- look like it was planted just to split up the field. The, pl- the field had been planted in one side of it and something and one side of the other. I just walked down that row, row of shrubs, trees, and found one big enough to lean against. And I'm probably 80 yards from the main road. Gravel, that's it. Just leaned up against that tree and just stood there, you know. Every once in a while car go truck go I'm in Blaze Orange. I know they looked at me and thought that guy's crazy, you know. <laughs> and I never forget, I looked down at my watch, it was 20 minutes after four o'clock. And uh and I looked down, I was waiting, you know, gonna be dark by around a little after five. And my plan was about five o'clock, just walk to the tr- to the fence line over on the east side, and that's where the timber was, and then just ease up towards Steve's you know, as, as, as light falls. And I I looked down at my watch, kind of daydreaming. It was 20 minutes to five. So I'd been there 20 minutes. I looked up and I don't know where he come from. I don't know how he got there, but looked up and just walking across that open field right in front of me, about 65, 70 yards. I could see seven times on the right side. Jeez. I guess how long it took me to lift. I shot a three hundred mag back. Thousand <laughs> one thousand two. Took... <laughs> I didn't look and spend a whole lot of time wondering how old he was. <laughs> well, I sure hope he's five or six. Is he old enough? You know, he was big enough, buddy. Let me tell you. Like you could, I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, and you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're if you're a gun hunter, you pull that trigger. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> oh yeah. He buckled, you know, and he just made it to the fence and and piled up. Just He didn't quite get over the fence. And by the time I got over to him, Steve was already left the pond where he was sitting and had run down that pond bank. I looked up and Steve said, I heard heard you hit him. I heard it hit. I said, yeah, I heard it too. And we walked up and he was a seven before. You know, if he'd had matched, he'd have been in the 180s. But he was 165 inch buck. Got it, took it took him back. Steve's dad had a little old weight. and He, he field dressed 213 pounds. Mm. And and I I'll never forget that night as so I'm buying and we went to the Mexican restaurant there in Chinook. And there the, the 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 window there I I looked up and I could see my reflection in that window and I'll never forget to the day I die the satisfaction and the contentment that I felt way down deep inside. You know, hmm. I killed a 165 inch, six, seven year old, but over 200 pound buck in 20 minutes hunting where nobody would ever think to stand out there and hunt, <laughs> but it wasn't that I was a great hunter, but it was just that I made a decision. It just makes sense, when you put yourself in a position to hunt areas, whether deer haven't had pressure on them in years, there's probably some pretty good matured bucks running around there. That was That's a pretty, pretty good out. trip. Absolutely,
3: wow. no kidding. Yeah you you saw something that nobody else saw in that piece. You know. Well,
4: I've I've told I've told, <coughs> I've, I've told uh, excuse me I've told that story uh, over the. Uh, The years of, uh, one of my favorite, I I was in Northern Wisconsin and uh, I spoke at a deer show. Oh, I can't remember the town, but it was way up North, way, oh my Lord, it was in February and it snowed. i barely got there and then barely got out. It was deep, deep snows. And I I remember telling that story and the next year they invited me back and I drove back up there to, to the same deer show and there was a, a guy come by the booth and he said, he t- threw a picture down there. Boy, is a toad. I mean, I mean, it was a slug, it, you know, 170, 180 inch deer. Mm. He said, I, "You, I was here last year when you, when you gave your seminar and you told that story. He said, my brother, uh, as we speak, I'm going to go over here and let the dog out of the house. Hang on just a second. <laughs> no worries. Uh, he said, "My brother lives in a housing addition, and way at the end of the uh, at the end of the addition, I, I think the, I think he said there were two or three acre lots. He said he's out he's outside the city limits. He goes, and that there's no hunting anywhere around all that property. He goes, and I called my brother last year, last year, this past season. He said, I'm going to come out and hunt your place during rifle season. And he's my brother said, well, I see deer run through the yard all the time, he said, but he goes, you know, I got a little old fence around my property. he goes, uh, I only got to, you know, two acres or whatever. And he goes, that's okay. He said, he went and put a tree stand up in his brother's backyard. I think he said he had two trees big enough to put, put his tree stand on one. He said, second day of the season, this buck come, jumped over the fence into his backyard. He shot him at thirty five yards, and it was a giant, giant world class buck. Jeez. <laughs> wow. So, so you know, I mean, I mean, now that's an extreme case, but still I you know, just don't uh, don't overlook little small areas where there's I, I had a buddy of mine from uh, uh Illinois that had killed, he killed a 200 and some odd inch buck one year, sent me a pic back when they would send you pictures. And I I drove to see, I was on my way to Wisconsin hunting. I stopped just outside of St. Louis, drove by his house and saw it. It was, the five by five frame on this deer was bigger than the Jordan buck. And, uh, but he was, he was just a giant. And and it was kind of a neat story of how he killed that buck. But I was speaking in St. Louis at a deer show a few years later, and he, sh- he walked in and I, and I, you know, I wanted to recognize him and I said, here's a gentleman that has killed a, right in the middle of my seminar. I said, uh, a Boone and Crockett. He said, I got another one. <laughs> I said, well, stand up and tell us. He said, well, he goes, it was only, I was hunting a 20 acre tract about an hour South of my home. He goes, and, uh, but it's surrounded that 20 acres is surrounded by uh, just hundreds and hundreds of acres of no hunting because there was no pressure on it. And I, and the sign was there. And the last day of the late muzzleload season, deep snow on the ground. I got up and my wife said, going to drive. He goes, it's the last, my last chance. He goes, I know that, it, that if I go down there, I, I got at least a chance and I have he goes on, on that 20 acres, he killed a 200 and it was another official Boone and Crockett giant, 200 and some inch buck Jeez. walked across, walked across that 20 acres, you know, so, you know, uh, uh the, the, the biggest problem with, and I'm, and that's what, that's the, kind of the guy that I am. I'm the guy that just hits the road and looks for a place to hunt. i uh. I have deer. I ran into Mark at the Iowa deer classic, ran into Mark, Mark Drury ran into him at the, at the motel. And Mark and I have been dear friends for years and years. And, and Mark and Terry, oh my goodness, what fabulous careers they've had. And they're just masters at taking property and, and building it up. And, you know, they're, they're just, they're just Lee and Tiffany ran into them at the archery trade show. Uh, I'm not, uh, Dear friends with them, but very friendly. They're friends of mine, and they've likewise in Iowa what they've been able to do and kill giant bucks. I don't do that. I'm the guy that travels around and finds a spot, finds a place. Try, you know, that, that's that's who I am and what I like to do, and I have done that all my life. And and you just never know if you keep you know keep your eyes open, your ears open, and listen people to people and look for little little honey holes. It's amazing what you can what you can accomplish and what you can you can get on the ground. You know that next year, uh, 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 of course, you called me, so I'm doing all the talking. Uh, that's uh, perfect. That's how we want it. That's how we want it, Roger. Here, I went back up to Chinook. Okay, I went back up there with Steve and gonna look for you know I'm just look for a new place to hunt. You know, here I I'd killed a hundred and sixty five inch deer the and, and Steve you know. And, 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 Steve, Steve said, let's just go back and try I said, so I'm, I'm looking around, I'm nosing around seasons going on. And, uh, I pulled up to get gas and, uh, some guy pulled up next to me and I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm talking about a cowboy. This is a, this is a cowboy, you know, got out of his truck, had his, his, his jeans were stuffed down through the top of his boots there's cow manure all over the side of his truck, you know, where he'd been hauling cattle around and, 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 uh, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm just speaking to him. You know And I'll never forget. I had my deer calls hanging around my neck, my hands-free deer calls. And he said, uh, what do you got hanging around your neck there? Of course I had my camo on. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm up here trying to deer hunt. I said, these are my deer calls. And, deer calls. He goes, get out of here. people! I never even seen a deer call. He goes, here, here's how I deer hunt. And he like, he rolled the window down, you know, <laughs> that's how <laughs> I deer. He goes, I a buck open today off my, pro- oh, off one of my problems. Well, how about that? Goes, well, it just makes sense. Now here's a guy that's got cattle and you know, and so I didn't just dis- dismiss him. He's kind of, he's kind of a, a little bit of a hick, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but I'm being friendly with him. I, hey, i and, uh, so the longer we talk, yeah, I've, he, he ran, there was a, a wrist surgeon from Chanute that lived in Indiana, but he owned a bunch of properties and they raised some hybrid cattle and he owned numerous properties around in that area. So I, you know, I am smart enough to know that if, uh, if they're raising hybrid cattle, they're probably not letting anybody hunt on on it. And I'm talking to the guy that rolls window down, shoots deer every day, you know, out of out of truck. And by the way, in Kansas, that's legal. You know, you can shoot a deer out. You you know, not that I do that, but that that's it's legal in the state of Kansas.
2: Hmm.
4: And uh, I I thought, think, Roger, think. And so I'm trying to strike up you know a conversation with him, and and I and so I'm done. I've got my truck filled up, and we're getting ready to say our goodbyes. And I said, Hey, you got any kids? Yeah, I got a, I got an eight-year-old boy named Grace. I still remember his son's name, Grayson. I got just a minute. So I go back to my truck and I'm digging, looking in a panic. And I found one of my deer calls in a package. And I run back. I said, here, give Grayson that deer call. Now, I didn't give him this. Well, I'm Roger Ragson. I'm in the Hall of Fame and I'm a great deer. I didn't get all that. That don't mean nothing to him. But I give him that call. I said, give that to your son. And I I said, it's real simple to put together and just, I blew one. we
2: get out of here. Yeah. I
4: said, he can have some fun with that. He'll probably enjoy that. He goes, well, i appreciate it. Well, next thing I know, he, uh, what are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. He goes, follow me. He just took off. I jumped in big red and took off behind him. We pulled up (laughs) to this property. I'll never forget 1,200 acres. Pulled up and he goes. Now the deer like to come from over here off this side. I, I'll see him when I feed in the morning. He goes. He goes. There's one buck here. I call him Stickers. Great big buck. He goes. I ain't been able to shoot him, but I'll see him. And then we drove around the property and he goes. Uh, let me take you to another spot. We drove eight or ten miles off. There's another eight hundred acre. And oh, now I see a lot of deer down here in this bottom right here. They like to come off this focus this spot. Follow me. He took me through four properties told me where the deer was. He goes, all right. He goes, uh, you can hunt these. I don't care if you hunt all these properties. He goes, just make sure the gate's shut. He goes, and, uh, if you see anybody else, run them off, tell them they're not allowed to be on here. You're the only ones allowed. I said, I got two buddies there. He goes, yeah, okay. He goes, well, they can hunt too. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that went on for five years. That's that went great. on for five I can't tell you how many big bucks we killed, you know, just by striking up a conversation with a guy. At a filling station, you know, and and relating to him, you know, I tell people, you know, hey, you, you know, when you meet somebody and you get, to, you know, and talking, talk, telling stories, something, you know, if you you got to be able to just relate to those people about something, sure, relate to them about something, just got, hey, didn't we go to different high schools? Shake your hand, you know, something, you know, <laughs> come up with something. And start talking, starting talking football. I'll never forget. I'm driving down the road, this is two years yet later. I'm driving down the road in Kansas, and I looked out, a, in a guy's backyard was a toad. I'm talking about a toad buck. And, he, hmm. you know, and I pulled into the drive, pulled in right, went up, I just went up, knocked on the door, and the guy come to the door, and he had a Kansas University shirt on. Kansas University. And I go, hey, I, and I looked at that, and I said, hey, you Kansas, Kansas Jayhawk fan? He goes, huh? Uh, but yeah, yeah. And back then, Oklahoma's old ex-offensive coordinator had just become their head coach. And they had their first winning season in like 15 years. I said, hey, OU's old, old coach. Uh, boy, you guys had a great year last year. He goes, yeah, we had a winning record. I think we're going to go to – this year we're gonna be better. I'm going to yeah, so we start talking football. I don't even think I told him my name. Yeah, we're talking football. <laughs> he don't know me. And all of a sudden his wife, she's a little bitty short lady. She come up and she had a Kansas State University thing. I said, Hey, you a Wildcat fan? She goes, Yeah, I'm I'm a Kansas State fan. He's a Kansas fan, and I'm a Wild State, I'm a Kansas State fan. It's a problem sometimes. All of a sudden they start arguing. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit there and watch. Guess who got permission? That was me. I did. Yeah. When I was around him, it was go Kansas. When I was around her, it was go Kansas State. When I found myself, it's go Sooners. (laughs) (laughs) And I killed a great big buck that fall off their property. You know? So, so anyway, you know, it, it, it doesn't always come that easy, but, but, uh, but if you're nosing around looking, I, I just, I just, I just tell people, you know, if you give me a deer, deer tag, I'm going to find a place to hunt and you're better off spending more time looking for the right place than spending all your time hunting in the, in the wrong place.
3: Amen. Great tip. That's a great tip. Oh Roger, that that was awesome. Thank you for the, the two or three awesome crazy stories there for the, for these crazy deer stories. I, I wanna be very respectful of your time and um and just thank you very much for, for for taking the time to tell us those stories today.
4: No, no, it's been my pleasure. I uh I uh always liked like like talking about like talking about hunting, hunting whitetails, you know, or just hunting in general. So I wish you guys the very, very best. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, uh, maybe we get together and do this again sometime.
3: Hey, yeah, we we really love that. Um, you know, I can just tell your the way you tell the stories, the way you're on video. I mean, your passion is is contagious. It's, I mean, you can see it, you can feel it. So, um, sure. just well well done with everything you've done. And uh, yeah, we'd love to do this again sometime.
4: Well, people can find my old videos and everything on my streaming channels. RogerRaglinChannel.com. so if, if anybody's interested in looking at some of our old stuff uh it's available to be seen on on my on my streaming channel
3: yes that's amazing i'm going to check that out and um i urge all the listeners to go check that out too so we got a pile of deer hunters that listen to this show roger so i'm sure um somebody will find some value in that
4: all right sounds good well thanks thanks guys i've enjoyed it
3: thanks roger thanks roger have a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much listeners for coming and listening once again to the habitat podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor leave us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free habitat podcast decal. If you haven't, been to our website, habitatpodcast.com. We have our habitat property consultation services on there under the land plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new habitat podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, You know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Vitalize Seed Company at VitalizeSeed.com. Packer Max Cultipackers. Exodus Trail Cameras. Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Endless Horizons Archery. Morse nursery first light legendary forest products acres.co united country midwest lifestyle properties thank you so much guys for tuning in once again get back with us soon we're gonna have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers